I believe. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the universal Christian church, the communion of the saints. I am so happy to uh, connect with our Christ Journey family again. Wherever you're joining us across the nation, around the world, in our physical campuses here in South Florida, uh, we greet you in the name of Jesus. And I am especially glad to be here today because I'm telling you, I need God in my life. I need God in my life now. And he promises that if we will draw near to him, then he will draw near to us. So I wonder if wherever you're joining us, if you would just take a breath and repeat after me. We draw near to you, Lord. Draw near to us now. Okay, now we're going to make it personal, so take a breath and say this for yourself. I draw near to you, Lord. Draw near to me now. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Hey, um, have you ever said to somebody when they ask you, hey, how you doing? You said, well, I'm okay under the circumstances. You ever said that? I mean, I know I've said that, and when I haven't said it, I've thought it, and I didn't say it because I really didn't want to revisit the circumstances, you know, and have to retell the story. Oh, yeah, under the circumstances. Oh, what's going on? No, I don't know. And yet, what I'm thinking is, if you have ever found yourself under the circumstances, Whatever those circumstances might be, then this next line in the Apostles' Creed is going to matter to you. Because um, honestly, under the circumstances is where we find ourselves many times. And in your spiritual journey, as you begin it, especially under the circumstances, is like where we begin this journey. And then as we grow... Uh, and spiritual sensitivities start coming alive in us, you know something that happens is you become more and more aware of your circumstances. I don't know if that's happened to you, but God's Spirit makes you more aware of circumstances, of things going on around you, things going in within you, your situation, circumstances of sin and of injustice and of need that didn't used to matter to you. Suddenly, it's like you start thinking about these things, the shape our world is in, your personal situation, whether it's financial or relational or, or, um, or emotional. And, um, and if you're wondering, why is that happening to me? I think it's because God's desire is to restore and redeem you in the midst of of your circumstances, and that means whatever you're facing when it comes to, and so to be able to restore you to your full emotional, spiritual, relational health. That's part of what the word means, salvation. It means health, wholeness, W-H-O-L-E, your whole self redeemed and restored as a Christ follower. And my experience and my understanding of Scripture is, if you're a Christ follower, it's not a bit unusual for you to find yourself under the circumstances at times and then to tell the truth about it. But here's the deal. Just because you may start there doesn't mean you're supposed to stay there under the circumstances. And what we've been learning in the Apostles' Creed from the earliest Apostles' teaching is that God in Jesus Christ meets us in the mess of our circumstances, 
and then um, brings us his victory in spite of that mess to lift us above and teach us how to be overcomers. That's one of the words Jesus used, overcomers. That's what he wants to lead us in. And now I'm thinking that's sounding a little bit better, doesn't it? And yes, it does, then being under, yeah, let's get over, let's get on top of those things. But how does it happen? Where do we find hope and help? That's where the next line in the creed takes us. Jesus Christ ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father Almighty. Christ, here's what we've learned so far. Crushed the incarnate God in Christ, crushed under the weight of world circumstance, and bearing the full consequence of the world's sin, yours, mine, all of time, and then triumphs over it in life and love and power, rises above it. Here's the, what the gospel says. And then, after he rises from the dead, he appears to his followers over a period of like a month and a half, six weeks' time, where he's appearing to them, they're eating together, they're talking together, they're doing some life together. He's giving them eyewitness personal evidence that he has triumphed over death. And then the story says that he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. Now the New Testament documents, they say that this was witnessed as historical event. This was not the... uh, creation of religious mythology. There were many witnesses who saw this thing happening, and they know exactly what Mount of Olives is where they say it took place in Jerusalem, and it's recorded in Mark 16, Luke 24, Acts chapter 1, and Luke thought it was so significant that he made it the hinge between Luke and Acts. You know, he wrote both of those, and he ends the gospel with the ascension, and he begins the book of Acts with the ascension, as one of many proofs, he says, one of the many convincing proofs that Jesus gave that he was alive after his suffering. Now, here's a heads up for today's talk. I'm going to be, um, I'm going to be sharing some thoughts today that are lofty ones. Like God says in Isaiah, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So I want to give you a heads up today that we're going to be thinking some God-sized thoughts together. They may take you out of your box, maybe things that you haven't thought of before, maybe things that uh, you feel are kind of, what? But the apostles, see what we're trying to do in understanding the Apostles' Creed is to understand what did the earliest followers of Jesus teach, believe? The apostles thought that this was so significant that they didn't want us to miss them. So um, maybe for somebody, maybe you, the reason that this talk is for you is because it's time for you to get out of yourself. It's time for you to push out of the box a little bit. Time for you to, to get beyond what you're calling, quote, reality into your truest humanity. That's what the ascension is about theologically. Your truest humanity So what is the ascension of Jesus? Well, it's part of the exaltation of Jesus Christ. Um, What Jesus called, as he said, the Son of Man will be glorified. That's how he referred to it. What does glorified mean? Well, it's Jesus' shorthand for the three-part experience of his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. If this understanding were a, uh, 
were a film trilogy. It would have The Passion would be the first movie, The Resurrection would be the sequel, and The Ascension would be the third one of his being glorified, his being exalted. Jesus spoke many times saying that I'm going to my Father. Especially in the Gospel of John, it's recorded like eight different times. Jesus said, you know, I'm going to my Father. I'm going to my Father. I'm going to my Father. That was fulfilled in the ascension and the exaltation of Jesus Christ. And the way that it was described in Acts chapter 1 by the one seeing it happen said he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. So they like saw him lift off and then disappear in a cloud. You know, the clouds seemed pretty close to the ground this morning when I was coming in and praying out on the property. I, I love it when the clouds hover close. I'm wondering if that isn't what Jesus is, what it's trying to say to us, that he's as close as the clouds. Though he may be out of your sight, he's not that far away. And we'll unpack that a little bit more. But I'm thinking about that. For those, think, does that sound crazy to you? I mean, imagine if you were um, one of the ones who saw it happening would you like, what's going on? I hadn't witnessed anything like this before. This is way before special effects or CGI. And it's not like he's got like rocket boots, you know, or he's like a human drone that they're used to seeing things fly around that are they're human. And no, no, no. This, it, this same Jesus, they were told by the angelic messenger that appeared mysteriously there as well, this same Jesus will come back the same way you saw him go. Well, how do they see him go? <laughs> they saw him ascending. Now, they don't set it up like it's some sort of spectacular supernatural event. It's simply reported as historical event. Oh, this happened. But now heaven and earth are linked in a way as never before. That, um, that fulfills Jesus' word and that validates his authority and his supremacy. Now, to a secular materialistic mind, as many of us have been trained to view our world through, this sounds crazy. This is ludicrous, right? Because what we know, supposedly, is that this world that we perceive is all there is. And yet, they're witnessing something that is beyond their senses. By the way, our five senses don't tell us the whole truth about anything, do they? We're always looking for confirmation of truth. Our five senses don't tell us the whole truth. But they're using their five senses, and they see Jesus lifting off into a more experience of some kind, and they're not given to crazy religious experience. If you read the Gospels, you'll see this is not, they're not easy to convince. But this was fresh, this was different, and suddenly heaven is a lot closer than they ever thought before. So what is the ascension? It's that lifting off of Jesus, and then being seated in the heavenlies. Why do we believe it happened? I mean, they believe it happened because they saw it, but why do we believe it happened? Well, the same reason that we believe the other miracle, reincar the other miracle incarnation events happened through the eyewitness testimony of those that were researched at the time, and then the textual evidence, the credibility of the validated source documents that have captured the stories for us and told it down through time. I have other messages about that if you want to understand why do, is the Bible trustworthy, especially in these parts of the New Testament. That's not for today. But I'm just answering, why do we believe it? Because we're trusting their testimony and we have tested the Scripture to understand its historical accuracy. But what we're saying is the apostles first 
What did they first teach, and why did they teach it? Because they experienced it. They saw it, they, and then they communicated what they saw. So that in Acts chapter 2, after Peter has this experience, and then they experience the fullness of Jesus' promised spirit, which we'll also get to later in the series, Peter, the apostle, in his first great sermon says this, God has raised this Jesus to life. There's the resurrection. We're all witnesses. We saw him. We ate with him. We were with him. We're witnesses of the fact. And then exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and is now pouring out what you see and hear now. People were hearing the good news of Jesus proclaimed in the languages of the world. And we'll get to that in a subsequent message as well. But the gospel is being declared. That's what the apostle Peter says, and it happened because he was exalted. Now, what does the apostle Paul say? Well, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20, God raised him from the dead, there's the resurrection, and seated him at his right hand in heavenly realms. This is the ascension and exaltation Far above all rule, authority, power, dominion, and every title that can be given, and not only in the present age, but also the one to come, God has placed all things under his feet. Would you repeat that after me? All things under his feet. Shall we say it together? All things under his feet. That's part of what the ascension means. What else does it mean? And then why does it matter? If that's what we believe and why we believe it, then why does it matter? Well, it means that this life is not all there is. That's one thing it means. Challenges is our understanding and our perception. This life is not all there is. The world as we know it is not all the, quote, reality, close quote, that there is. There is more, which means you are made for more. You are meant for more. And in Christ, you can now access it. That's part of what the ascension means. Now, from God's point of view, it means this. The sun has begun to rain. Have you ever been outside on a sunny day and yet rain was coming down? That's a mystery, isn't it? Well, what the apostles are actually saying is now, theologically, the sun, S-O-N, has begun to R-E-I-G-N, rain, because he's seated at the right hand, the high seat of authority, as his kingdom is coming to earth. Now, my apologies to our translators. I'm sure that those English words don't immediately transfer. Sun begin to rain, but you get the twist there, right? In Jesus' ascension and in his exaltation, God has begun to reign as his kingdom on heaven, of kingdom in heaven comes to earth. The sun has begun to reign. Theologically, that's what it means in God's cosmology. Um, so credit to Larry Norman, by the way, for uh, the phrase. Now, theologically, what, that, what does that mean? It means that Jesus has achieved ultimate victory. I got a list of these, so uh, they're, they're going to come up on the screen for you. Jesus has achieved ultimate victory. First Peter 3 says, he has gone to heaven and is at God, God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. It means that Jesus has been reunited in fellowship with the Father. He had said many times, I'm going to the Father. Well, now he got there. He's at home with the Father now. It means that Jesus right now is in the highest seat of honor and power and joy with the Father, at the Father's right hand. 
At the right hand is honor, power, and joy. That's what that means. And it means now that Jesus has become head of the church, his body, which we'll get into a little bit later in the series as well. And it means that Jesus is interceding for us, for you, for me, as the high priest on behalf of humanity. And it means that Jesus is our advocate with the Father. Now, theologically, biblically, if you're trying to track all those verses down, you'll find them in the the Subsplash Notes and the Christ Journey app uh, if you want to follow up on them. But uh, by the way, you know, that's what the apostles have taught. In the New Testament, this is what they teach. Peter, John, Paul, the writer of Hebrews, and these are God-sized thoughts higher than ours that we're being lifted into. But what it means, all of that simply means this. And pray that God will help you wrap your head around this. Especially if you think you know the story. It means that in Jesus Christ, human nature has now taken up residence in the presence of God. In a way, I mean, enthroned and authoritative in a way that has never happened before. Christ took on the body of the incarnate Jesus, but now Jesus Christ has risen to the right hand of the Father. Christ didn't just bring heaven to earth. What this means is humanity, when he ascended, he took earth to heaven in his humanity. So that humanity right now, a human being, is at the right hand, the highest place of authority, the right hand of God. So um, seated in the place of highest authority, the Son of Man is now watching and working and waiting on our behalf as his kingdom is... Um, being made real on earth in our lives. In fact, now this is a piece of Bible trivia for those of you who like deeper Bible study. The most quoted Old Testament verse in the New Testament is associated with the ascension. Psalm 110, verse 1. Jesus uses this psalm to refer to himself when the Pharisees don't understand, and yet he makes it as a self-reference of declared deity. Paul refers, uses it to refer to him. Peter uses it to refer to him in his kingdom expression on earth. The writer of Hebrews uses it to refer to him. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool. Now, we don't have time to go into all of what that means today. But what it means in part is that now that Christ has ascended and is seated to the right hand of God, the highest place of authority, God's plan for reconciling the world to himself is now underway. Positionally, right now, all things are under his feet. But practically speaking, God's plan is to work to fulfill his will in history through Messiah. And that's what's taking place right now. Now, heads up, I'm going to talk about some more things that we're going to take it to another level even. If you've stuck with me this far, then hold on. Um, because I'm going to talk about some other things that we don't always think about, and maybe you don't even care about them. But what I would like to say is, if you could experience them, if you could understand them, then guess what? It's going to take your Christian life to a whole new level. That's why it got in the Apostles' Creed, and that's why we're talking about it today. Psalm 110 is a prophecy of Messiah that the apostles are saying has been fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is deity, and then as deity, he's not done yet. He's interceding at the right hand of God in the eternal order of the mysterious high priest Melchizedek. 
You know, lots of parents are naming their kids after Old Testament. There's a name, Melchizedek. Name your kid Melchizedek. They'll say, where'd you get that name? I don't know. Pastor Bill was using it the other day. It's in the Bible. It's like the most quoted verse in the Old Testament, you know, tell him that. But no, it's, he's bringing us into, and then when after he finishes his high priestly role, he's going to come again. Wickedness will be crushed. Justice will be established on this earth. Mercy will be extended after, forever after the order of the high priest Melchizedek. And all of this is going to be brought under Jesus' feet in a reality that is greater than the greatest king they experienced, the greatest king, David. And Jesus is now a king assuming his throne. And then, but here's the mind-blowing thing, and lifting humanity to that positional reality with him. That's what the apostles say. I mean, this all sounds so lofty, right, so grand. Um, it's like out of the reach of our daily grind, our daily battles of what we call real life. And, and maybe you're thinking, well, that would be great someday when Christ returns and does the full court press on uh, wickedness in the world. But, you know, what about today? I got bills to pay. I got kids to corral. I got problems to solve on every hand. What difference does this make for me today? Well, great question. And I've saved that part for now because I believe that the letter to the Ephesians is Paul's, the apostle's, great reveal letter as to what the ascension and the exaltation of Jesus means for the daily lives of believers. So if you want to unpack that more, you want to get alone with God, then spend 40 minutes, that's what it'll take you, to read the letter to the Ephesians and just remember that this is the background for what he's talking about there and how it matters in daily life. But what it means, and I'll just give you a few highlights here, what it means is that you right now are seated with Christ above it all. Right now, positionally, it means that you are seated with him in authority. It means that you, as a being redeemed human image bearer of God, you have potential in you that, um, that is ready to be unleashed that he can show you how to get to higher ground. It means uh, that, that is way beyond your imagination. It means that whatever is over your head is still under his feet, including your bills, your kids, your circumstance, your health, your situation. That's what this means. That positionally, you are already an overcomer, and heaven is closer than you think. That's the last one. The help of heaven is now closer than you think. They saw him lift off, but he was just right there with the clouds. The bodily ascension of Jesus means that he is available and accessible now globally on a cosmic scale. It isn't about Jesus wasn't escaping this world in his ascension. He was becoming accessible to all of it in the ascension. At the right hand of God, now available to everybody who would seek him, who would draw near. And, of course, by his spirit, which we're going to come to next uh, in just a couple of weeks, available to each one of us. No, we're not in heaven yet, but here's what the theologians say. We're living in an in-between time, between his first coming and his second coming, between D-Day, which is what happened on the cross and the resurrection, where the decisive day was done, sin was defeated, death was overcome, the evil one was broken, and now his spirit is coming and he is ascended to the right hand of God until he comes again, which is then V-Day, Victory Day, when, uh, 
Christ returns to close the books of history and the rest of the creed, we will uh, take, take our, we, that'll take us into that space. So what are we supposed to do between now and then is the question, right? Because that's where we're living. That's where we get under the circumstances at times. And I think you're going to love this. Um, but how can you bring the reality of the ascension into your life, your work, your home, your church? And it comes down to this simple statement as this. But not just saying it, experience it, living it, meaning it. Let the sun reign in you. Let the sun reign in you. See, Jesus just didn't go to heaven alone. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6 says that God raised us up with Christ. Okay, think about this right now. Don't try to figure it out. Just think about it. God raised us up with Christ, a resurrection. His resurrection was our resurrection. And seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Right now, we're seated in the heavenlies positionally. And so that in order in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. So positionally, in Christ, we are seated in the highest place of authority right now. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Has blessed us means it's past tense. You don't have to ask God to whip up a fresh batch of blessings for you. He's already got everything that you're going to need, and you already have it in Christ, in the ascension, that now you're just living out of what he's already given. It's like your inheritance is so huge in Christ, and your position is there. You just need to learn how to access what you already have. And so Jesus says, it gives your Father great pleasure to give you the kingdom. You don't earn it. You just receive it. It's a gift that he has for you. In other words, and it makes God really happy to bring you the kingdom, his reign to your life. So let the son reign. He's not barking out orders for you to follow. God's idea of his kingdom coming to you is you getting lifted to the seat of authority right next to him in Christ. Now, I know this is kind of out there, so I wanted to bring it a little closer to home, so I wrote a song about it. Can I do it for you? Can I share a song? Okay. Ready or not, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, haven't done this for a while, so. This is, I know, this is like comic relief. Just consider it that way. Okay. Uh, it's called Whatever's Over My Head. It goes like this. Whatever's over my head is under his feet. Whatever seeks to do me woe, his love will overflow. Throw, throw. His love will overthrow. Though I be sinking fast, his grace will always last. His mighty arm is ever able to deliver me. My whistle needs a little wet. You want to help me? Thank you very much. I, I feel it up here. Okay, now we're all going to do it together, okay? You ready for this? Okay. Kendall, you with us? 
Okay, here we go. Whatever's over my head is under his feet. Whatever seeks to do me woe, his love will overflow. Though I be sinking fast, his grace will always last. His mighty arm is ever able to deliver me. Hey. Okay. Yeah. Didn't see that coming, did you? Okay, so how you doing, Bill? Well, under the circumstances, here's how I'm doing. Here's my list right here. This is what I just took from the ascension. Here's my list. How am I doing? Well, I am growing to rise above. I'm under, but I'm growing to rise above. Okay, I'm under, but I'm tapping new potential in Christ that is beyond my understanding and my imagining, but I'm growing into that. You know what? And I am following my Savior who is pushing through the suffering. I'm pushing through just like he did. Yeah, I'm under the circumstance. Yeah, I'm carrying a cross. Yeah, I got scars from where I've been bleeding. But we're pushing through the suffering, he says. And then I am receiving the help of heaven because heaven is closer than you think. He's interceding on my behalf and praying for you. And, uh, and I'm, I'm making Jesus my king. I'm letting the sun rain on me reign in me. I'm seeking his will to do his will, not mine. Now, if you're thinking, oh, I get it. This is sort of the Christian version of the self-help movement. You know, rah, rah, rise to your full potential. Well, sort of, but not quite. Okay? Because um, this is way beyond self-help. This is like Um, your help in Christ is so, your potential in Christ is so beyond your understanding, so so great that you could never fulfill it in the span of a mortal life. That's what Christians believe. That's what the apostles believe. Your potential as an image bearer of God is God-sized. And it takes eternity as its field of play. So what differentiates you as a human being from the rest of the animal kingdom is something called imago Dei, the image of God, being made in the likeness of God. Now listen to me. God, human beings, have a wiring potential that has yet to be fulfilled, but we see it in Christ. Actually, God became one. God became a human being. How did he do that? Well, he made humans as his image. They were wired to know him, to reflect him, to be like him, right? He became one. And then he lived among us as one. And then he conquered death and sin by dying as one. And then he rose to life triumphant as one. And then he ascended to the point of a transformed human being to be exalted in his fully transformed state. The fullness of human potential as a human being. What that means is that right now, at the right hand of God, is a fully human being with nail scars in his hands. At the helm of history is a human. Biblically speaking, we're told that he's the prototype, the first one of his kind from the human race. 
now a heavenly human that you and I were made and meant to be like. So you and I were made and meant for two kinds of worlds, one you're born into, one you are reborn for. You're amphibious is what that means. Your human potential is amphibious. You're born here but meant for there. The exaltation and and ascension of Jesus Christ, our Lord, leads the way, and as we wait for that day when we will follow him, more about that later in the series, what are we supposed to do? Well, we're supposed to grow in our understanding. We're supposed to grow in our experience of his authority in our lives. That's what it means to let the sun reign in your decision-making, in your relationship, in whatever struggle you're facing right now, in spite of your circumstances, whatever they look like, whatever they feel like, in spite of whatever struggle you are trying to survive or overcome, whatever evil you are waiting to be overturned, whatever battle that you are fighting to win, while you are waiting, the fact that Jesus has ascended and seated at the Father's right hand means that you've got a friend in high places. It means that somebody up there loves you, is on your side, and it also means that he knows what it means to wait because he is waiting until his enemies are put under his feet. Is anybody here waiting for something to be made right? Jesus in his humanity is still waiting for the Father to say, it's time, son. Go bring him home. And the sooner you let the son reign the sooner you will experience the kingdom of heaven in your heart, in your home, in your problems, in your world. So how is that supposed to happen? Well, I got three words. First is view. View your life from God's perspective. See yourself right now as seated in the positional authority that Christ has already received. Um because he lifted you up with him in the heavenlies. Ask him to open your understanding. The second word is do. Do life with Christ as Lord. Make him your king. Obey him as your leader. Follow him as your Lord. That's what that means. And then third, imbue. Imbue. Allow your life to be filled and flooded with his presence through prayer. Keep the conversation open so that you pray without ceasing. And your high priest, who's always interceding for you, will be meeting you at the right hand of God and interceding with blessing for you in spite of whatever circumstance you're under right now. Now, I want to offer a few prayers. Maybe some of them you could take into your week. Maybe one of them would make most sense right now. So as I bring our thoughts to a prayer, I want to first invite you to bow. You don't have to close your eyes, but if one of these reflects what's going on in your soul, then I, I want to offer it for you. Maybe today you're thinking, you know, I'm hungry for more. <laughs> I'm so glad you said there's got to be more than this because i got to have more than where I am. Well, then maybe this is a prayer you could pray. Lord, grow your kingdom in me. Help me see it. Help me nurture it. Help me cultivate it. Thank you that I'm meant for more than only this life. I'm hungry for more. So thank you that you've lifted me and seated me with you on high. Open my eyes to see it like you do. Or maybe you feel like you're stuck. Like really nothing is changing. 
you're in a dry place. And you got this voice whispering in your head, oh, you're only human, what'd you expect? There's nothing you can do. Well, then maybe this is the prayer you could pray. Lord, show me what it means to be human like you. That the potential you have placed in me could come to fruition through me. Open my eyes to understand that overcoming is my destiny in you and not staying under my circumstance. Maybe today you feel like this is time to take your seat beside Jesus over your situation, some situation you're in, financial, emotional, relational, whatever. Then maybe you could just pray this one. Lord, thank you that whatever's over my head is under your feet and under my feet in you. Lead me, bless me, change me, change my situation. But help me find your blessing and then be a channel of your will into my world so that your kingdom can come. Maybe for you it's time to rediscover your authority in Christ. You got distracted, you made some decisions that have taken you off point. They got you off track. Today's your day to come home. Then why not this prayer? Father, Create in me a clean heart. Jesus, wash away my transgressions. Forgive me. Renew a right spirit in me. Restore the joy of my salvation as I come home to you right now. Maybe today is your day of salvation. Then this is the prayer to pray. Lord Jesus, forgive my sins. Come into my life. Make me the person you would have me be. I turn from my way to learn to go your way and invite you, son, to reign in me. Now, if you prayed that last prayer with me and would let me ask God's blessing upon your next steps of faith, I'm going to invite you simply to raise your hand, hold it up for a moment. If you're joining us online, then you can click there, and we're going to be joining you in prayer. Kendall Campus, you know our pastor loves you and watching for prayer right now. And then right here, under the sound of my voice. God bless you in the back, to my right in the back as well. Amen. Here in the middle to my right, can't see everybody. God bless you. Here in the front to my left. Lord, for every person who by uplifted hand, by open heart is saying, I'm receiving you, I'm trusting you, taking the next step. I thank you, Lord, that today they can come home to you and I pray that they will sense your spirit tapping that potential that you have placed in them by your image, by your salvation, by your redemption as we make our prayer in your name. Amen.